Hello and welcome to Getting to Grow, the podcast dedicated to unearthing the stories of some of the best brands in the food and wellness space, hosted by myself and Sam. Each episode we chat to founders, experts and industry professionals who each have their own personal journeys. We discover how they built their business, what's next and everything in between. Um, thank you so much for joining the Getting to Grow podcast today. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, I, going throwback, massive throwback, um, Henry and I years ago used to work in Hollister Reading together. So shout out to Hollister in the Oracle back in the day. Um, but yeah, that's how we initially met was years ago. But yeah, then we obviously didn't really keep in touch. But then I saw that he created a really cool brand and definitely wanted to, to get him on um, because of that. So welcome, Henry. Thank you, Zoe. Lovely, lovely to be on the show. Cool. Great to have you on. Um, so, yeah, if you could just introduce yourself, um, tell us a bit about who you are, what you did at uni, and then kind of where, what led you, like, the couple of years before Pan and Ice, and what you were doing, and then, yeah, begin to speak about kind of, like, how the idea came about and things like that. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I was at, so I grew up, in the Reading area, it's very local to College School in Reading, right there. Um, I was at Henley College doing an engineering course. But yeah, um, 2013, I went to University of Birmingham, studied mechanical engineering. I uh, was there for a couple of years, and then after my summer exams, in my second year, I went with a mate around uh, for a two-week holiday to Thailand. Um, so it's just, we were going for a two-week holiday, no expectations, we went to Kopiti, South of the islands, South of Thailand. And then, yeah, one day we were, one night we were quite drunk, walking around the streets in Kopiti. We stumbled across like this, there was like this street with like, loads, loads of little stools in it, like food stools. And then one of them in particular had like a big crowd of people around it. So we straight away we were like drawn to it. We wanted to, wanted to know what they're doing there. Um, so yeah, we went there. Look. At first, we thought they were making pancakes, and then very quickly, you know, found out they were actually making ice cream, and it was this brand new way of making ice cream. It was, you know, we were like, we had never seen this before, so it was like really weird to like, you know, how the hell can ice cream like that? It's so quick as well, and like, they poured them out with some milk, we thought it was milk at first, but it's cream onto the pan, and then within like 60 seconds, they just, you know, hand over this amazing box of like ice cream, which was flour for the cup. So yeah, very quickly we like looked at each other and said, look, this needs to be in the UK, which is amazing. Like, look at the audience attracting here. Like imagine this in like, a busy place in London, like it's so popular. So after that, um, the following day, whilst in Thailand, I emailed my tutor and said I'm not going back to university. Oh, gosh, it was literally um, that quick. Yeah, yeah, I was fully committed from the moment I saw it. I was, I'm, I need to add to this, I wasn't actually enjoying university, like I love the social side of it, but actually like academic side, like I think it's quite an intense course, yeah. and it wasn't for me. So I think even if I hadn't found this idea, I probably would have dropped out of university anyway, I just kind of like, destroyed it when it comes back, so I like used this as an opportunity to get out. Um, and then yeah, that's, that's kind of where it started, so that, and then we came back from Thailand, end of summer 2015, um, 
we managed to, whilst in Thailand, the last few days, we were like finding out where to buy the machines from. So it's a unique machine we've never seen before. I managed to find it somewhere, sold it in China, ordered it. You know, we only had like around five grand to spend at the start, but two and a half grand each. Um, so yeah, we bought a machine, bought a gazebo, and then yeah, we got came back to Thailand. We just then, then our goal was like we need to find events anywhere that take us this summer to like just test it as a minimum viable product just to see will it work. Um, and we managed to get some good things at some really random little like country fairs, like really like small ones, nothing special. Um, and then yeah, then we just rolled up to these events, no expectations, get a little gazebo, we had our machine that arrived the day before our first ever event China, so we stayed up all night practicing. We went to this first event, and then that was it, really. Um, we were just so getting from that moment onwards. I think it's fun because, like, I think as you guys, like, from what it sounds like, like, you were having so much fun with it. So, like, look, if it didn't work, then, like, you tried it and you had a good time out of it. But I think it was, like, a benefit that it obviously, like, massively took off and became, like, super successful because... It is a really cool concept. Like, I remember seeing you guys in Westfield and thinking, like, this is sick. Like, it's quite fun to, like, see it. You're sort of, like, you have quite a big input in it because you obviously, like, can tune your flavours and what you want in the ice cream. So, like, it's like you're, yeah, you've, like, had a totally custom-made order, which is quite nice and quite unique. Like, that's not really a thing. Like, when you go to the supermarket, like, you pick off stuff off the shelves that's obviously, like, you know, pre-made and, you know, no. this is like, oh, I really fancy Oreos with, like, Maltesers, for example. Like, there's not an Maltese Oreo ice cream, but I want it, and I want it right now, and you guys deliver that, which I love. Having, like, personalization is, it's really key, actually, and I think it's a really nice thing to offer, because, like, even when you're, you're bringing it to, like, the everyday and the really simple, because... I'm thinking when I get like Christmas presents or something, if I'm getting up like, my boyfriend a wallet, I like to have his initials on it because, you know, it's like a bit bougie and whatever, and it's quite nice to have it personalised, whereas actually making ice cream personalised is like so, it's like so everyday and it's really nice. Exactly, yeah, no, that's that's what we pride ourselves on. Like, we're more than just a product. We're like a full circle experience. Yeah. And I think that's what differentiates ourselves, like, in like you know in say Westfield you've got all of these different like frozen yogurt companies and normal ice cream companies but they're not really like experienced people go there for the product and the product only but for us they it, you know it's an amazing experience but at the end of it you get like a delicious product as well it's like a double win yeah. yeah I agree so after those couple of events where you basically had like a massive like kind of light bulb moment you were like shit this works like this this like this cold concept is unique and it's working. What what happened next? Yeah, so for the first couple of summers, we kind of just stuck with the plan of just doing markets and festivals. Um, you know, kind of low, well, yeah. We, the second summer actually we did a lot bigger festivals, but yeah, we kind of just stuck that. We got our mates involved, and we you know just spent our summers just going around festival to festival. It was a lot of fun, and then. And then what happened, um, we were at an event in London and then we got spotted there by someone from Westfields. Okay. Um, and they were like, you know, then they got in contact with disaster saying, guys, I would love for this experience to come to our, our Westfields, our Westfield Stratford. So that's when we kind of first got 
the idea about going into retail and getting parlors. Um, so yeah, we got a, a like an old truck, um, that this old ice cream truck, and we kitted it out completely. Um, and then we went into Westfield Stratford, and then that's kind of where it really started taking off. Like as soon as we got into London with a permanent location, it was just crazy. Like I remember working there, and it was just like the queues were, kid you not, like over an hour long. Like people would come from all around London. Like people didn't come from like Manchester and stuff. Like it was crazy just to get some ice cream. Um, but yeah, then yeah, and then as soon as we got into London, it kind of all just like blew up from there. So you know, I'm, I'm skipping stuff here, but you know, Selfridges saw us and they asked us to go into Selfridges, Oxford Street for a pop up. Then that did really well. That was initially going to be a two week pop up, but it ended up being the whole of summer. And then they asked us to go nationwide into all the Selfridges, so we did that. Harvey Nichols got in touch with us, so we did like Harvey Nichols in London. Then like Topshop, when it was around, got in touch with us and asked us to do their, to go to the head, you know, the main top shop on Oxford Street, um, right to the front. We did that for the whole of summer. They then were like, guys, can you launch in America? Can you launch like USA's like New York stores? So then we did that. It was just like, it's just, it was just absolutely nuts for the first of those few years. Yeah, like we just said yes to everything, which, you know, I think because we were so naive at the time, we thought, yeah, we can keep doing that. I mean, they, they were great opportunities, but I mean, they were absolutely, you know, at times it was just a bit too much. Like, I think we grew way too quickly at that stage and we we couldn't be proactive. It was just complete reactive. Um, but no, it's all fun, all learning curves. Yeah, exactly. And I also think like being naive at the beginning is like, it's actually a bit of like a blessing because yeah. if, you, if you did have like, you know, your business hat on and you like your sensible hat, you probably said no. And also like, you wouldn't have had the experiences that you guys had, like traveling the world with your best mate, doing something that you love and having fun yeah. with is so like that stuff you're never going to get again. So exactly. Like, I don't really think it, you know, like no bad experiences, no experiences, bad experience or whatever that saying is. So I actually think like, I mean, God, I would have traded places with you over that summer. Bloody hell. <laughs> like I would have it sounds insane and also being able to travel so but it also I guess gave you lots of like it gave you like the confidence that you guys needed to be like this is definitely obviously a product people want and it's working and yeah therefore like you know this isn't something for the summer this is what we're going to continue doing yeah no for sure I mean touching on the naivety point I think that is as you said it's so key like I yeah. think if I knew if I knew what I knew now back then I, I probably wouldn't have even started. The, I don't know. I, I would have like probably not started the business because the stuff you endure, have to go through, like it's it's really not a joke. It's really hard, um, and you've got to be a you've got to have a certain amount of thick skin just to get through it and keep pushing because there is like moments in the journey when we thought we were done. Um, you know, if I'll give you an example. Like back when we started, so we ordered that first lot of machines from China. They came fine, and we. Then we were like, right, we need to grow a bit. We need to do more events at the same time. So then we did a second order and we like got more pans. We, well, we did a bigger order. Um, and we know we had no idea what it is, what, what you have to do when dealing with China. We didn't know about any like quality testing before they send them and stuff. But anyway, we did this massive order and they sent all these pans and it was like 10 of them, these machines. And basically we had factored in having an extra 10 machines for that whole summer. So we, we put loads of events and they came and they were all broken. They all didn't work. So it was like, it, and that was like the first big moment that was really like bad. Like we, you know, we just sat there and we were like, what, what are we actually going to do now? Um, like we've got all of these events, 
that we're planning on going to, but we now don't have any machines. Um, and it was just like, it was just so bad. But I mean, that's only one incident. And then after that, obviously, since then, it's just been, you know, you always get your hurdles. But it's always, I think it's about changing your mindset and you've got to see these, see these mistakes as like a positive almost like get once you've got over these issues like you will learn from them and it will make you stronger as a person so that's the, the outlook I try have now um, yeah. even it's quite hard sometimes but yeah you need to try to stay positive and calm 100% I think like you need you almost like not I guess fail is like one of those like funny words but you always like do need to fail a few times because if you don't yeah. you almost just think like you've totally like deserved success and like everything will come really easy whereas actually yeah. You need to fail to be like, okay, that didn't work. Let's learn from that. How can we be better next time? I mean, because like, my God, I'm still failing like every day. I swear I'm up so much stuff off the time. I'm like, why did I do that? You know not to do that or something, you know, has gone wrong. Yeah. And so I think they are really, really beneficial. And like, I'm not, I'm not 75 with like a year, like wealth of experience. I sound like I'm Stephen Bartlett. I'm definitely not, but I definitely think you need, you do need to, and you do need to like you make do. mistakes because that's that's how you learn if you never make mistakes i don't feel like you're like learning that much exactly no mistakes are literally the biggest you know the biggest reason i'm here today how how far paradise has got is me being able to learn from these mistakes and move forward um and also just another point about like i think some people always like in terms of like some people fear mistakes almost too much because like, that's why they never actually start they have all these amazing ideas but they're always waiting for that like perfect opportunity because they're afraid of mistakes to happen. Um, and they never actually start because a perfect opportunity doesn't actually exist. Like it will never be that, like you're never ever going to get to a stage when everything's ready, like perfect. You just need to jump in and start. And the quicker you, the quicker you start making those mistakes and learning, the better it is because they're always going to happen as mistakes. It's just about making them happen quickly and then learning from them. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, you're right though. There's never a perfect time for anything. Um, no. So you just got to get on with it and do it. It's crack. You just need to crack on.com. Yeah, crack on.com. I like that. I always say like lastminute.com because that is me to a T. I'm quite lastminute.com. <laughs> so like, I, like, I like the crack on.com. I'll steal that. Um, <laughs> and then so you had all these like amazing events. Um, and then, yeah, you kind of flew all over the world and did that. So what happened after like your, I guess, you know, the, the kind of selfages, the Harvey Nichols, the top shops, the New York stuff. Did you come back to England and then think, right, now now what? Cause, or, or is your, yeah, talk to me about, about the plan after that. Was it like, yeah. was it like we're going to do events or? So, um, so yeah, after we kind of exploded um, and went a bit crazy, accepting all these pop-ups and retail locations, they were they were pretty much just summer they were just summer pop-ups most of them though so we only had a couple permanent ones but anyway yeah so after that summer we kind of realized like it was a bit hectic and it wasn't enjoyable and what we also realized is that you, we, we, we grew too quickly and the quality of the service was going down and stuff and we and like it was we were being stretched way too thinly so we kind of like took some learnings from that and also actually a lot of the locations just never made any money but like we thought you know if it works there it'll work everywhere it's not the case at all you need to be very specific with where you open um like so we opened in places like um blue water lakeside you know there's numerous places we opened where it just didn't work and maybe that was because we we're in the wrong place inside that shopping center but there's loads of factors that that can dictate how much you make and we didn't know that to start so we learned that we actually need to consolidate a lot um, 
so yeah, following on from that, we kind of really looked at the business plan. We decided where we worked and where we wouldn't work, and then we focused on a smaller, yeah, smaller, smaller amounts of locations. And then we also started then looking. What we also noticed as we grew the business, as our brand started, you know, getting bigger, we were asking to get booked a lot for events. Now, previously, we had only done events where we go to the, you know, the festival, the market, we pay for a pitch fee and we sell ice creams. But what we, but what we didn't realize was, was that there was this whole other type of event where, say, a company like Google would, you know, they have a Christmas party. They would prepay you to say, you know, come along and make our product. Um and then it, yeah, we'd turn up, make the products, and leave. And actually, that's when we really started to learn about these events, and they were so much better. Like they're so much more efficient. The profits a lot better. You know, it's all prepaid. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we started seeing those events, we really wanted to focus on that. And then very quickly, though, as soon as we started advertising that service, we were getting booked from so many different companies. Um, like it was crazy. We were getting, you know, all around the UK. Um, we even did a big event. It's called NWC in Barcelona with Google, which is like crazy. We did like 20,000 ice creams, like it was something silly and like loads of hot chocolates as well. Um, but yeah, so we kind of at that point, we kind of realized that the business was going off in two different directions. So we had like events, um, which is like prepay. We, went, we got corporate companies. So it had a bit of a different demographic. And then we also realized we had this retail business. So we had kind of had like a two pronged attack, like which I think is really beneficial, like that's one bit of advice I'd give to people starting a business is have, don't rely on one revenue stream. I mean, I think we can appreciate this more than ever now because of COVID, like you need to make sure you have multiple ways of earning money in a business um, because yeah, you can't rely on one thing because it can very easily overnight be taken away from you. Yeah, COVID is like the most perfect example of it because I think you're right. Like looking at the hospitality trade, like, you know, if you're, if you're a caterer, you're a caterer like if there's no events happening yeah. how else can you sell your products so yeah like door to door stuff and things like that so yeah yeah you're right um and did your did your team explode as well i'm assuming you were like oh my god we need to go from two to 200 in like 0.1 seconds <laughs> yeah i mean yeah we um at that time when we had like 12 pop-up locations you know 10 in the uk and we had two in new york i think at that time including you know like part-time staff that would just help out the parlors. We had over like a hundred people on our books um, on payroll, which was which was crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, it was absolutely nuts. We had so many people. We didn't like really understand about all of that HR and stuff. It was just, it was, yeah, it just we just grew so quickly. Um, just hiring people left, right, and centre. We got all our mates involved. Like anyone we knew, we'd be like, "Can you please help us out? Like, we need staff." Um, but yeah, it's like we had a massive team. Like beyond whatever I could believe I mean I, it's, I mean it's nothing like that now I've kind of like now it's very different because I've learned about all of that side of it but yeah it grew very quickly yeah I can imagine it was like just like rocket ship exploding and stuff because you were like oh my yeah. god all this stuff and and now so do you have more of a like um in terms of your team now do you have like obviously you probably have like a I'm, I'm assuming I don't know but like an agency side of it for like staffing um, and then, and then, do you have like people that like work day in day out in the office in terms of like booking the corporate events? Yeah. So, um, if you look at now, the business has kind of changed again because of COVID. Um, we've now yeah, got. Let's, we, let's talk about that before we go on stuff. How yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about the DIY bit. Okay, DIY. How does COVID affect your business? Yeah. So obviously, when COVID started, my business was at that point was events and retail. 
which both were completely 100% affected by COVID. So my both my parlours at the time were shut down temporarily. And then events also, all of our events were either cancelled or postponed. So it was an absolute nightmare. Um, and it all just happened really quickly. Like it completely took me by surprise. So I, it was a state of shock for me. My business was going from, you know, making really good money revenue to suddenly just everything being taken away from me. And that was completely out of my control. Um, and, you know, I had all of these staff, I had a mass, I had a really good team back then. Um, and I was, but, I, but the business was not bringing in any money at all. Um, so that was like a really, it was quite a horrible time to run a city. I remember I moved back from London. I went back to my, lived back at my um, parents' house. Um, I tried to save as much cost as I could. So yeah, I just went back there, like straight away, packed up and left. Um, luckily I could do that. I was living with friends. Um, but then, you know, I then had to start thinking, right, COVID might not go away for any time soon. So how can I move forward with Pananice in these times? What can I do to get, to make Pananice succeed in these times? So I was thinking, I actually knew about this piece of kit before COVID came. It was like this at-home kit idea. So it was like a metal plate that you could put in your freezer and you could make the Pananice at home. So anyway, my, then, my mission then became, right, I need to build this at-home product. So I was literally sat in my room for like weeks designing this this plate, um, speaking to suppliers in China, you know, figuring out how I can make this happen, getting the money together to order these plates. Um, so yeah, I, and then also like designing all the packaging. This was something completely new to me. I'd never done like an off-the-shelf product before. So I um, yeah, just spent my time designing the packaging, which took quite a while, like learning all about that side of it, um, and then did my yeah, found the right supplier. Um, I got a sample delivered to make sure, you know, it worked because I knew a lot of these products um, didn't, didn't work. So I wanted to make sure I got a good one. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of set off on this brand new at-home adventure. So I ordered a uh, sample order. I, I believe it was around 500 kits at the time. So 500 DIY kits, which is quite a lot at the time. You know, it's a big investment. It's a big risk I took. Considering I was earning no money, the business had no money coming in pretty much used up all of its cash that it had left to put into these kits so it's a massive risk I took um so I ordered them they were they had a two-month lead time so I knew that in that two months I had to basically start drumming up as much interest and as much hype into this product without giving it away what I was launching I really wanted to make this like create this massive excitement so that's exactly what I did um bearing in mind at this time I had zero staff so it was just me left I had to make sadly some people redundant because I didn't know about furlough at the time or people on furlough so it was just me like just me on my own so I was on the Instagram I just started creating like um, I got my friend to like design this like cool graphic to say something's amazing coming and then I started plugging it every day just saying look something's amazing coming and then I created this wait list on our website so like sign up here to be the first to hear about this um, but yeah, and I just drummed up loads of excitement and I got like thousands of people signed up to this wait list. Um, literally thousands. I mean, it was crazy. Like people were so excited and then gradually as it got closer and closer to the time of launch, I was revealing more and more about it. Yeah. And then, yeah, then anyway, they, they arrived in the UK um, and they sold out the first 500 sold out literally within a couple of weeks. Oh, that's um, so good. It was so good. It was such a relief. Um, 
and then yeah then so yeah it was, it was just incredible like the wait list worked amazingly I remember at midnight I literally stayed up and like it was crazy like 75% of the, the kits just went out straight away um so good so, yeah. to hear. I can't imagine yeah. like the stress you must have been feeling like having yeah. all of that on your shoulders and being like if this doesn't work I don't know what to do yeah, no, exactly. It was like that. I mean, this was the last ditch scenario. If it wasn't, if this wasn't going to work, there was no way we would have survived COVID. Like, no way. Um, it was, yeah. So it was the last ditch scenario, but it did work, and it worked amazingly. And it's actually almost a blessing in disguise um, yeah. because it's now. It's, oh, I have ordered more kits. Yeah, I mean, oh, that was the first order. And then straight away, obviously, I ordered way more, like thousands, and then they sold out, and then I ordered more thousands more. I mean, we've sold, you know thousands and thousands tens of thousands you know we sold these kits and it's become this whole new part of the business like so the diy business is now its separate own entity so it's its own business now completely um oh and God. and it's now like the future i really see it as the future of palanized because it's so scalable and it's the easiest way we can get palanized to everyone around the world um so plans of that are we've we're kind of developing the product all the time so i'm, I'm already on my fourth uh fourth version of the DIY plate so it's got better and better each time I'm still improving it but I've now I don't know when this podcast is going to come out however I'm currently about to launch something really exciting which is like an electrical at home version um, which is one that you can plug in so you can literally plug it in it's super slick and you can plug it in you can like make ice panel ice at home whenever you want so that I've got huge plans of that you know I want to get that stocked in like all the big you know department stores john lewis argos all of these cool places um and then also we've launched officially in america so we've got all our stock situated in uh america so we're sending selling out there now um so yeah no it's created this massive opportunity now um yeah. which probably wouldn't have happened if, without covid so i'm quite thankful to it to be honest with you it's so funny because like i think you're right there's totally mixed messages about it in the sense that like obviously for some people it's been like really horrendous and like they've lost like loads and loads but on the flip side you know people have cre created so much stuff from being at home a lot and like having the time and then obviously yeah like thinking like how can we diversify the building like building <laughs> business like we obviously need to do something really quickly and change it all up and like that's what you guys did yeah. and then like that's completely built a whole other side of the business which you say will now like employ more people in the company so like i'm bringing it bringing Panda nice to people's houses and, and being able to get that experience at home because although like everything is open enough out and about I think there definitely will be more of a thought about it going forward and being like oh well you know why don't you just come over to mine this weekend and we'll do that instead of maybe going out because you know London's like super pricey whereas actually sometimes it's quite nice to have a night and if you had that yeah, at home that would be a really cool thing to do like you and your mates oh my god let's do this like how fun and like create a whole thing about it and like Panda nice parties yeah, I think Zoe, Zoe, you would love it because you could actually pour on cocktails. Um, so you can literally pour on like like your favorite cocktail, like a mojito, anything you want. Yeah, Ro you can pour on rosé and make rosé, and you can literally make sorbet like on it as well. So it's it's suitable for all ages. It's a really yeah, that, cool product. That's so fun. There'll be like the kids bit at the beginning of the night where it's like, yeah, like. You know, like exactly. and that, and then like the adults come out, and it will be like, yeah, frozen margaritas, <laughs> yeah. And things like that. I love a margarita. Oh my goodness, I need this product. I know. You're selling I'll let you it. know when it launches. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Um. So, 
obviously, so COVID's kind of like happened now. Obviously, we're kind of like living it and it's unfortunately still a thing, but we're moving on. We're moving. Um, how are you guys still doing events? Yeah, so the events business is yeah it's been it's been really rocky it's been up and down up and down because i'm hope i'm hoping now that we're out of it um hopefully but no the events business is be, is is really picking up again now um i mean in the last couple of months we've been doing massive events we've done a couple over in uh abu dhabi doing oh, a wow. few big activations out there i annoyingly couldn't make it just because of too many things happening back here but yeah i had had a team go out there twice um, we've been doing, yeah, like loads of events. Um, and this summer is looking really good as well. Like I'm planning on moving, well, going out to America in April to start doing loads of events out there, start really? building the brand out there. And then the idea is, yeah, I want to start, you know, eventually come to the point where I need to move out there permanently just because it's such a big market. I think for us to really succeed, I need to be out there, um, you know, building the brand like I've done in the UK and start, yeah, developing things, going to events you know, meeting people and stuff. So, but no, events for us will, will always be our, you know, it's one of my biggest passions, I think, about the business. I love, like, going out in front of people and, like, yeah. seeing their faces when they make the ice creams and stuff. I think it's so fun. Yeah, I agree. Oh, my God, I love events. Like, I just, they're I, so I, good. I love, yeah, I love chatting. I love being surrounded by those people. So, yeah, for me, they're, they're super fun. I really enjoy them, too. And um, we do, like, we do like crazy celebrity events as well. So like, yeah, I mean, I'm not oh even allowed to God. name them. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not even allowed to name them. They're so big. But I'll get in trouble. No, no, we've done like crazy stuff. I mean, like we've gone to Holly Willoughby's house and like oh, wow. the, the list goes on. I mean, we've literally worked with so many cool celebrities um, and they just see us. I think they just see us from social media. And, and when, but then when we do one event, their friends it's then so see nice. it and they, they book us in. So it just becomes this domino effect. And it's honestly, it's so cool, like knowing that we're known by those people. One thing you have to tell me is if you ever do Justin Bieber, huh? Oh <laughs> like I am, and like everyone is my, I love him so much. Like it's really, really? I don't care. I'm 25 and I love him and I love him forever. Yeah, no, he's a legend. Oh my God. No, I'm going to work on that. I'll let you know. I'm, I am going to work on that because we are going to, obviously, America. So that we don't. That's actually funny enough. That is my like goal. I think Justin Bieber doing an event for him. Wow. He is that would be incredible. Like Justin, if you're listening, please. Please, Justin. I <laughs> love him so much. Like, oh my God, he's my favorite person ever. Um, yeah, he's special. If you ever get Justin, I am the front of your house on that pan and ice machine. Perfect doing it I'll, uh, yeah. I'll get you involved yeah i need Hayley needs you to can whip up you can roll some ice cream for me <laughs> Hayley can step aside on this one um, <laughs> so oh that's so fun though so is america kind of where you want to go and move and, and do do out there yeah that's that is the goal i think now really i want to in the next couple of years really focus on american market um it's a, it's a lot of work because obviously we're not really known out there yet we're very yeah. new to that space and there's a lot of differences out there so I'm not going to be naive and thinking it's going to be easy it's going to be very hard to get that right and I know a lot of companies kind of you know try to go over there and they realize it doesn't work and they, they they stop doing it but I'm really set on doing it I really want to go out there physically and start you know building the brand I want to ideally get yeah start doing loads of events out there I want to start maybe get some shops out there yeah um and and how do you, um 
in terms of your UK at the moment, um, how who you how do you work with your suppliers? How do you get like ingredients? How does that all come together? Um, so so the ingredients is like our, the actual cream that we pour in our pan. That's like a a secret recipe. It's like a, okay. it's like a it's like a sweetened double cream, you could say. But that took us quite a while to like get right because um yeah like there's different there's you can't just pour on cream or milk or something like that it has to be the right consistency to be able to roll so that's we've got, we've got a supplier for that um i mean it's an interesting question because i mean our, our suppliers are isn't really that big a deal to us because we kind of just the cream's the most important thing then other than that it's just like we buy fresh fruits oreos you know basic things you can find anywhere um you know i <laughs> it's not very professional but we actually like use M&S and Waitrose at our parlours to buy fruit because we used to use the supplier to buy all of our fruit from for these ice creams and the quality just wasn't good and what we realised is when you go to these supermarkets they actually all the fruit's perfect so all of our parlours they literally go to Waitrose or M&S um, to buy all their fruit so it's we're very high quality yeah I bet M&S and, and the like localised stores near your parlours bloody love that <laughs> yeah they do <laughs> Gives a nice little uplift in business. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, no, cool. I did find supply chain really interesting because, like, I work quite closely with our supply chain um, at Coastal. Okay. And if you don't have like a good supply chain and a good like logistical thing going yeah. on, the whole thing cannot work. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's a bit. I'm, yeah, I'm, we've never had to really pay that much attention to supply chain because it is very simple. Like when you break down our product. Once you've got the machines, all it is is a special ice cream mix that we formulated. It works so well. It's really easy to store. And then and then it's just everyday ingredients. Yeah. So it's just a pot of Nutella that you can find anywhere. Like, obviously, we buy it in ridiculous quantities, but, like, yeah. it's very easy to get. So we, we're our supply chain we don't isn't that big of an issue. However, saying that, the supply chain on the DIY business that is um, a whole new learning curve that we're trying to understand and get to grips with. Like, we're currently out of stock. So at the time of recording this podcast, we have no stock and we've been like this for the last month of our kits. Oh, no. Just because, like, it's just managing, like, figure, forecasting, you know, we're going to sell out at this point, make sure the order comes in then. And we, we haven't done that. We've kind of been inundated with orders and we just haven't been able to be proactive. So that that's a whole other level of learning how to, you know, effectively run your supply chain, which I think we've got a long way to go. Um, and because obviously we're ordering from China, the kits, like there's so many issues at the moment with like longer lead times. So it's understanding all of that. Um, and then obviously in America is a whole other ball game. Like that's been really challenging, like getting everything delivered on time, even things like the actual delivery of the kits in America. Obviously when we first started delivering them, everything's like getting melt melting in the delivery because it was so hot out there. So like we had to have this massive, like rethink about what products we include within our kits like we can't use normal chocolate bars like there's been so many things that we've like learned since running this diy business it's been crazy but we're getting there good and um just before i end with like the quick fire kind of closing round questions because like oh my gosh i've learned so much about pan and ice in the last like 45 minutes which is so good that's why i love these podcasts because i just get to hear like the behind the scenes of like a product that like I really like um I think I've got two questions firstly is about um plant-based and obviously 
have you guys got a plant-based alternative and how has that affected your business? Do you get more people asking for kind of plant-based? Because I'm assuming, it's, yeah, as you said, it's double cream, which obviously is a vegan. So do you have a plant-based option? Yes, we're, yeah, obviously we've been, we realize that it's very important. I'm actually, personally, I try to avoid dairy and I'm trying to be vegan. I'm not quite there yet, it's quite hard. Um, but yeah, we have a full plant-based menu now. So if you go to our parlor in Westfields, we've got, we've actually just updated it. It's really cool. We work with a really cool company called Dapper and they're like a soft serve vegan ice cream company. We work with them, so we use their ice cream mix. And it's all made from nuts and it's honestly delicious it has like vanilla in it and we use yeah, that with yeah. our ice creams um it's unbelievable but we also have a so we've got that one is like that's like the vegan ice cream option and we've also got this coconut cream as well which is more like a sorbet consistency um but you yeah, know our vegan options are brilliant like it works so well with our ice creams that like we have like a matcha flavor blueberries oh, like, but yeah we've realized like it's interesting like Every you know, we're seeing a massive increase in the percentage yeah. of people ordering vegan now. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's something that we're super into. Um, also, on that similar subject, we're big on like environmentally impact. So all our stuff's compostable, like spoons, napkins, cups. Also, we have really we have hardly any waste. So because our, all our products are made to order. Um, we don't have any waste at the end of the day. I mean, we might have like a couple of strawberries that have been squashed that needs to go in the bin, but everything else can be used the next day. There's no yeah. pre-prep. You don't have to, it's not like a restaurant where you have to pre-prep loads of food. Um, and then if you don't sell what you expect it to, all that food has to go away. With us, everything can be used the following day. So we don't have any wastage really, which is amazing. Which is brilliant. Really, really good. Because um, food waste is like such a massive thing. But yeah, that's fantastic that you guys can like kind of like eliminate that part of it. Um, yeah. And then my last question is, are you guys going for kind of more rounds of investment to obviously launch out in the States? Um, and how does that side of things work? Yeah, so currently we're, um, in terms of funding, it's pretty much all being private. We got assisted with the C-Bills loan, which was quite nice. Um, so at the moment, I haven't actually had any external investment. However, once we're caught sort of out of this COVID situation and we've got a proper roadmap, um we are going to be looking at you know a raise we don't know how that's going to happen yet whether it's crowdfunding you know, there's so many different options um but yeah like and in this raise we want to earn we want to you know get a, a large amount of money to really like accelerate our growth internationally yeah um but before that happens there's a few you know there's quite a few things i want to do before that can happen just yeah, to increase cool. our valuation basically um yeah. but yeah no it's definitely definitely something within the next one to two years, um, we will we will need to do for sure. Cool. Um, so ending towards the end of the episode now, so this is just a quick fire closing round question. So what is your favorite flavor that you guys have created? It's pistachio, white chocolate, and salted caramel, like rippled through it. Oh, oh it actually sounds I like describe how good it is. Dangerous. It um, makes my mouth water thinking about it. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm hungry as well. So <laughs> um what's your best bit of advice for somebody wanting to start their own business start their own business yeah um i mentioned this earlier but like go for it don't think about it too much just jump in and start and make mistakes and learn from them um what's your favorite food brand at the moment food or drink oh my word that's throwing me <laughs> oh god uh Food or drink brand? 
I've really been, it sounds really weird, I've really been inspired by McDonald's recently with their new um, vegan burger. I think that's been really cool. I've seen that everywhere and I've actually tasted it. It's incredible. I mean, they inspire me day in, day out. Um, That's really interesting. We've never had McDonald's on the podcast. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I, I think they're incredible. Like, I'm inspired. When I walk into a McDonald's, I don't think people appreciate just what they've done. They have, you walk into any McDonald's around the world, it's the system that they have created. Like, I literally walk in and people think I'm a freak because I've just got, I'm just like in awe of it. Um, but the system they've created, like when you look at the kitchen, the way everything's systemized, they have like different zones, how everything's yeah. cooked. How it, like, and it's uh, honestly, it's it's like, I know how hard it is to do that. And I do it on a like microscopic scale compared to them. So, but that for me, is just so inspirational. I mean, I've read all the books, watched all the movies, and I think it's incredible. What's one thing you wish you knew before you started your career? So, like, career can be, well, yeah, I guess pre-Pananize. Wow. Um, one thing I knew. <laughs> um, uh, be careful who you take advice from. I think that's been quite key. I'm something I've learned. Like always you know you could be around you go to like the restaurant or you can go to like a bar and everyone acts like they're an expert on everything but be careful you take advice for listen to people but don't take everything they said as the right answer um and trust yourself a bit you 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 know you're the one that's going to deliver the final product so like yeah don't take everything that everyone says like literally yeah and um, what's your biggest um kind of mistake and what did you learn from it but i think i know this i think it's ordering no, I think it's the broken, the broken machines. Yeah, that's one of my biggest mistakes for sure. And that the thing I learned from that is do your due diligence before. Don't just go into things like, in, especially if you're ever dealing with China, just just look at the company, do your research, you know, get some good payment terms um, and get a third party to inspect your products because otherwise it, it's not fun. I can imagine. Um, thank you so, so, so much for having and um, for taking like your time this afternoon to chat to me. Like, um, yeah, as I said earlier, like learn loads and really appreciate it. I know everyone is it's super busy at the moment, but I think um, our listeners are going to love it because um, it's slightly different actually to the ones that we've had before in the sense that you're like, of course, you're a product um, in itself, but you, you heavily focus on kind of being very experiential, whereas a lot of our a lot of the guys that we've had on before are, are mainly like brands in retail. So it's really interesting to hear like a totally different side of like the food industry. Um, but like from that point of view, so like, yeah, yeah, super, super interesting. No, thank you so much. It's been great. Please remember to follow, subscribe and leave a review as it really supports what we do. See you guys next time.